This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Sales Leadership United is the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Sales leadership frameworks, mindset tools, skill set tools, performance coaching, sales leadership training tools, video insights with some of the world's most successful sales leaders, tools used by sales leaders to create massive impact in the current environment. So don't waste your time trying to reinvent sales leadership. Head to Sales Leadership United on Patreon and check out what the world's most complete collection of sales leadership assets can do for you. Every topic you'll ever need and the tools to help you accelerate your sales leadership career all in one place. Check out Sales Leadership United today. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders of teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. We help sales leaders make how they lead their most defensible competitive advantage. It doesn't matter if you're a new manager, a first-time VP of sales, or a seasoned sales leadership executive. Tap into the power of coaching with people who have been there, done that. If you've ever wondered how other people with jobs similar to yours are addressing challenges you're facing now, reach out to the Jepson Performance Group and learn why sales leaders all around the world choose us as their performance partner. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we've got another good one that I'm fired up about. I'm excited to welcome Ted Blosser to the show. Ted's the CEO and co-founder of WorkRamp. Now, WorkRamp is the leading end-to-end platform for educating both employees and customers. WorkRamp helps customers like Box. I'm gonna, sorry, not customers, companies. I got to start over. Baylor, sorry. On my mark, three, two, and one. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, I am excited to welcome another good one. Today, we've got Ted Blosser that I'm excited to welcome to the show, and Ted is the CEO and co-founder of WorkRamp. WorkRamp's the leading end-to-end platform for educating both employees and customers. WorkRamp helps companies like Box, Outreach, and Reddit train their teams and their customers in ways they can count on. Now, Ted's got a really interesting background. He's an engineer turned salesperson turned venture-backed CEO, and I can't wait to get the history of that. Uh, You don't hear that story every day. And his point of view grows from his background as a salesperson and a sales leader who's been close to sales organizations as he helps them train and enable sales teams all around the world. So he's got this really interesting perspective on how to enable salespeople, how to make this function strategic how you need to work with senior leadership teams as we're in this world of chasing revenue, and maybe most important, what good looks like. I'm really excited to bring him to the show. He's highly sought after guest. You can hear him on a lot of other shows as well. I am pumped to have Ted join me today and share how sales leaders can create more impact faster with this elite group of worldwide sales leaders listening to the Sales Leadership Podcast. So Ted, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining me. Rob, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you again for joining us. I know this is a crazy time of year for you guys at WorkRamp. You guys are doing a big conference right now, and you're carving out an hour of your time to come talk to 
uh, 45,000 listeners uh, of the Sales Leadership Podcast. So thank you. I, I know your time is precious. I'm grateful that you join us today. It's a good break from uh, end of quarter madness. We're on the Salesforce fiscal year. So nice, nice break on a Friday afternoon. Well, let's... Uh... Let's let's do some good today, man. I'm excited to dive in. We, we've got some fun stuff together. Why don't we start by having you introduce WorkRamp and what you guys do for your customers? Yeah, so WorkRamp is an all-in-one LMS. As you mentioned earlier, we basically have employee solutions to enable your uh, internal employees, your sales teams as well. And then we also have a customer a set of customer solutions that really train and enable your customers to turn them into loyal brand advocates. Nice. And you guys have had a good run. I mean, you I, you guys have been around for a while, done some good things, got some really great uh, companies that depend on you. Kudos to you. I mean, when, you, when you've been around and have that staying power and those iconic companies that you work with, that says that you're not just having a good product, but I think more important, you're delivering a really great experience to them. Yeah. And we we were, uh, we're I like to say we're sneaky old. We actually started in 2015, but didn't get to that proverbial let's call it product market fit till 2018. But the last four years have been uh, more of a rocket ship than the first uh, three. Hey man, doesn't matter when you figure it out. It just matters that you figure it out, right? Yep, exactly. So let's let's go back in our hot tub time machine just a little bit. I love your story and, and, and how you kind of were an accidental salesperson. Would you mind just sharing just at a high level, just really quick? I think our listeners will find it interesting. How, what what led you to get involved in sales? Because that's going to be important on what kind of CEO you ended up being, I think. Totally. And it, and it was truly accidental. I was uh, I went to Santa Clara University, studied electrical engineering, and I was interviewing at Cisco. And they had two lines there. They said, hey, here's a line for account executives. And then here's a line for essentially uh, systems engineering. And I, and I asked the recruiter, I said, hey, what, uh, which one pays more? And the, uh, the person, the recruiter said, hey, account executives make more money. I was like, great, put me, put me in line for that. And so I actually uh, got that job. Uh, they flew me out to Raleigh, North Carolina as a young 22-year-old, um, uh, uh, newly um, uh, single and graduated uh, individual. So I was sent out there and got to basically study uh, how to do sales for almost a whole year. I like to say it was like a sales MBA. This is back when it was really popular for the big tech organizations to have these really in-depth training programs. And that was where I learned everything, cold calling, how to awesome. read an income statement. That was, that was essentially my accidental um, drop into sales. And I've loved it ever since. Such a great, you know, it's funny because I have a, I've found Ed, when I've done this show, I, I've been doing this for four years and I coach a lot of salespeople and sales teams. I always ask, how'd you get into sales? I'm looking for that person that was saying, I, I grew up wanting to be a salesperson. And I've literally asked, it's gotta be multiple thousands of people. And it's like two or three people have actually told me they were, but almost every one of us are what you said. We're accidentally involved, but then we're intentionally successful, right? Yeah. And and so I I love your story, like engineering turns sales, and then you start this company. Um, why don't we start with what that's done with you as a CEO? I, you know, every now and then we find the sales led CEO. I was a sales led CEO when I was running my tech company. And, I always found that I was kind of an enigma. And so I, re I relate to you that way. You know, what's it like being a sales-led CEO? And maybe we can lead that into how sales leaders might work with those kinds of CEOs. Yeah. You know, what's interesting. When you look back at the tech companies of like the 70s, 80s, 90s, even, even the 2000s, um, 
a lot of people who were in the secession plans to become CEO were sales-led CEOs, but then kind of became out of fashion, I would say in the 2000s, 2010s. But the example I looked up to is at Cisco. You had John Chambers, who was a very sales-led CEO at the time, but he was kind of the last of that yeah. breed. Whereas you look at a lot of the major CEOs just of today, you got you got Tim Cook, who was out of procurement. You have uh, Mark Zuckerberg, who is an engineer. Um, you have uh, Sundar, who is an engineer. And so I think the the trend of these sales-led CEOs uh, kind of uh, is, is out of fashion, I would like to say, these days. And so I feel like it's a rare breed to actually be a sales-led CEO. And it actually has you, which is a good thing, I think, in today's world, when everyone else is not a sales-led CEO and you have a few sales-led CEOs out there, it's actually a big competitive differentiator. And so I try to use it um, to my advantage where I can. And I remember um, listening to, um, uh, I think his name was Jeff, Jeff James from uh, Domo, and he and he was one of the last of the sales less CEO breed. I don't know Josh if you know James. him well. Oh, Josh, Josh James. James. Yeah, yeah, Josh, Josh James. James. Thanks for correcting yeah. me. Um, yeah. But it's just an example. Do you know him pretty well? I worked for Josh. Yeah, it's oh funny. Oh my you pull gosh. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a different episode. But yeah, I worked for Josh. I've I've just heard him speak once, but I, okay. I was just I remember sitting in the crowd. I'm like, this is what a sales led CEO feels like. He's like, there's one thing that matters in the world: sales. I'm going to run my whole company around it. Not to say we do that specifically, but it does bring a whole different purview when you're sales uh, sales led. Yeah, so that's interesting. So does that create? Like, I'm sure there's some interesting advantages that it creates. It's it's probably also changes the kind of cadences that people want. Like when when the world is, hey, revenue is what we're chasing, revenue is what matters. There was a time when, you know, people were chasing revenue at all costs. And I'm not sure that people are doing that so much right now, growth at all costs. Um, what does that do for your organization with that? If that's your purview that, hey, like I'm sales led, what what does that do? What's What does that mean? And what what's the impact of that on your sales leaders? You know, let me maybe answer that in a slightly different way. I'll give you an example of what that means okay. in today's market. Um, and I'll come back to the efficient efficient sales led model. Okay. But, um, but I'll give you an example. So, so right now I help run the product team, right? And when we're we did a product brainstorm the other day, and we were brain when we were brainstorming products, they were all great ideas, but a lot of the ideas I was like, can we sell that? And they're like, no, probably not. I was like, I don't think I could sell that, that feature or that product or that new product introduction you're thinking about. And I've, I've had to work with the product team to say like, look, we can have a million great ideas, but at the end of the day, like these could be great products, but we also need to be able to sell them because they need to lead to growth. And so having someone in the room that not just says, hey, this is a great user experience, or this looks like a great new sexy feature, to actually say, no, actually, is this very viable from a business model perspective? And if I put this in front of a sales rep, would they love selling it? And so it's adding a new lens into the, your whole business, not just your product team, but almost everything you do all the way out to, um, you could even think of our finance team, right? Like, hey, our finance team, if they're thinking about a new process, I say, hey, does that new process actually drive new growth? Or does it just add overhead and no growth to that process, right? Maybe let's go look at processes that can actually add growth. So I think what allows you to do is go throughout the organization for people who traditionally don't have any sales mindset to their day jobs and say, look, look at what you're doing. 
through also a sales lens. And this could go all the way out to like support. You're, you're just answering support mm. ticket. Why not try to upsell someone while you're doing that, right? Um, and then to your original point of, of the world moving to efficient growth, I think that's the name of the game too, right? If you want to have efficient growth, you need to actually push everybody in your company to help contribute to the top line. And that's what we're doing internally. Because if you don't, that means only your 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 cog, like for example, your cogs, like your CS team is a great example. If they're not selling, they're just a, a cost of goods sold, right? But if they're right. also selling for you, you can increase the top line while keeping your business still pretty efficient. So I'm listening to what you say and I'm taking notes. I'm already at over a half page deep on this. This is going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I always can judge a lot by what I thought about an episode by how many note pages I got from it. So we're, we're cooking right now, man. <laughs> um, I'm putting myself, okay, so I got 45,000 listeners listening to you right now. So, so what's the, so what on that? So I'm, I'm going, okay. So I like that lens. Is this a lens that maybe if they don't have a, a, a sales led CEO, or they don't have that, could they benefit? Could they, could they be more impactful if they brought that lens to the table? Like they say, Hey, you know, one of the lenses I want us to look at, isn't just like the whatever over here, we need to make sure we keep this sales lens going. And these are the things like, is that, is that an important thing for a sales leader to do, to be a, a champion for that point of view, rather than just being like, stay in your lane and do your thing? Yeah, I think that's right. I'll, I'll give you a great example, even, even in our business that we just found okay. the other day, that we just found the other day. And this is something a sales leader, like a CRO or a VP of sales could just notice in the business. So for example, we we have a team, which is essentially a professional services team. They're called the instructional design team. What okay. they do is they help clients create learning content. So it's essentially a pro-serve offering. So imagine, and a lot of your companies probably have professional services offerings. Yep. And I said, hey, do those team members actually know how to sell or upsell our products or cross-sell our products? Have they ever been trained? In that, and the answer to that, I looked at the pro serve leader. She's like, "No, they've never been trained on that. Why? Why do they need to be trained on that?" I was like, "Well, they spent all this time with customers. I'm sure it could come up. Why don't we go train them to also help sell or help our AEs find upsells within their accounts?" And so, if we can instill that mindset where we're looking at these opportunities in the business of like, "Hey, who's spending time with our customers? Let's train them all." to be able to look for opportunities to sell, it will lift all boats in the organization, right? The AEs will be uh, will be totally happy to actually see a lead come in from their pro, service, pro services team too. So um, again, I just, I do challenge like, hey, there are things that are probably outside of your immediate purview that can help everyone else. Always try to spot those opportunities. Here, here's why I asked the question. I think this is great. And again, people have been listening to our show for all four years know that we don't script these shows. And so we're going someplace right now that I did not think we might go. I didn't even anticipate. I can't wait where we're going right now. One of my clients, so I, I, I coach a lot of sales leaders a lot all around the world. And one of my VPs of sales just got a new CEO. Okay. She just got a new CEO. And this CEO was one that was, Hey, you know, do your thing. Tell us what you need in order to sell whatever you need in order to sell. I'll find a way to get you what you need. This person was a more financially oriented CEO, okay? And it was interesting because 
the perspective of this leader at which then trickled down to the perspective of the team was this person doesn't value sales. This person doesn't think that we bring anything strategic to the table. This person thinks that we're just coin operated and you know, we'll tell you what to do and we'll tell you how to say it and go get it done. And rather than managing up and saying, let's bring some things to the table, the initial thought was, I think I need to go somewhere else. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Like you're a CEO, you're a sales-led CEO. So you will rec- you will like you'll gravitate to that lens. But maybe you can give our leaders some insights on the managing up. Like I love what you were talking about. That story that you just gave, I kind of put it in quotes around a great story of managing up. Like, do they have a responsibility for bringing? here's what our ecosystem needs in order to deliver what the company needs. Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm trying to think of it through two. Sorry that it's like, I sorry that we didn't talk about this one, but (laughs) but what you were talking about, it took me there because that's relevant. People are dealing with that right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So We'll talk about two ways. There's kind of managing up to let's call leaders who care less about sales, right? You're, you might have a product leader, product led leader, you might have a finance led leader, who knows where they came from and managing up yep. is important. And um, it's a little bit easier to manage up to a sales leader because they they know, hey, sales they is get the, it. the game, right? Yeah, they yeah. get it. Yeah. But my my biggest recommendation in terms of managing up to a non-sales focused leader is actually bring them in at the ground level into your ops and your deals. And they might have a natural reaction to be, that's not worth my time. But if you can bring them in to the field and you have like almost a quota for them, like my personal quota every week is three to five customer calls a week. You well, wait, push get, pause. Yeah, so you, have, you as a CEO are going on three to five calls a week? Yes, that's what I try to do. I don't hit it every week, but that's Let's my goal. Go. That's my goal. Let's I actually go. color code my calendar. It's I, I'll tell you the colors. I got blue as internal meetings, green as customer meetings. I have two other colors, recruiting and then anything external. If I look at my calendar for the week and I don't see enough green, I'm like, all right, what else can I get on here? I'm not getting invited to enough calls, right? But the thing every time I go to, I have the, these weeks where like this week was a pretty busy customer week for me. I, I, I have a like a, visceral reaction of what is actually happening on the field in the field. And it truly drives a lot of my thinking. I use those anecdotes in my other internal meetings to help make decisions. Like, for example, I was just on a, a pipeline forecast meeting internally, and we were talking about audiences to target. And I said, look, this week I had two calls where these audiences were really kind of coming it coming to us um, with with their wallets open, I was like, why aren't we spending more time there? Because I'm seeing this in the field. And so back to these uh, managing up is the more you can get the CXOs involved in the field, they will feel it. like they're on the hot seat answering hard questions from customers. You know, they're sitting at dinner like, oh, that was an awful call I just had. Like they will remember that. They cannot turn a blind eye to what the what the field is like. That's, I think, one of the number one things I would recommend in terms of managing up. So then then when you present them with data or ask like, hey, we need Gong to help with better coaching because of we're missing these three things in our sales cycle, they'll get it. They'll be like, oh, I was on a call like that. Okay, let's go make that investment, right? 
I'm writing this down. I love what you just said. So managing up is a, its own topic all itself. We could just do the whole show on that if we wanted to, but we got other stuff I want to hit still too. I love that managing up in your perspective starts with getting them in the game. Managing up is getting them away from just the spreadsheet. Managing up is creating moments of observation, uh, letting them have a chance to see rather than hear. Am I am I hearing that right? That's right. That's right. And I'll I'll give you one. I was actually just thinking about one more thing too. Getting them involved. And the second big thing I was going to say is get them data that they don't traditionally see. And wow. so one thing. Let's talk about that. I want yeah, to hear let, what that is. That's yeah, awesome. Let me, let's go. Let me give you. Let me give you this point. So like. You know, most CEOs have their own dashboards. Like I have my own CEO dashboard that's built on a uh, sense. So at, and I probably check this like 10 times a day. So I have like my, let's call 15 charts on there that okay. just helps me operate the business. But then when a sales leader comes to me with a new chart that I haven't seen, like they went and built it on uh, Salesforce or Atrium or whatever it is. And they come to me with new data. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And what I, how I like to frame it is like, give them insights they haven't, they don't typically see from the, the board dashboard level, right? And so if you could give them like a pipeline insight, like I'll give you an example. I had uh, one of our sales leaders come to me with like a segment based insight. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it totally changed my purview on how we're thinking about our segmentation uh, versus like my traditional charts of like pipeline, revenue close, deal sizing and things like that too. So managing up is like, hey, you should assume the CEOs and the leaders know all the core metrics. Like they probably know better than anybody and they know in their sleep, but they don't see, they don't spend all their time driving new insights. So if you could bring them new insights, that's another key in terms of managing up so that you can further back your arguments or investments you want to make. So I, I love this. We've talked about strategic leadership a couple of times on this show in the four years. I'm thinking of a couple of those episodes. I like what you're talking about though right now, because this is about being strategic. And right now, strategic pointed up is starting with, can you bring insights? It's not bring data. It's not, can you bring uh, viewpoints? It's, can you bring insights? So I want to get really basic right now, because I really am interested in what you just said, like this idea of us as sales leaders, can I be more insightful? When I'm in the managing up, I don't want to just be the fly that gets swatted. I don't want to be the mosquito that's like always buzzing around. I want to be something um, that when I bring something, people say, yeah, that's going to be good because Ted's got these insights that I don't see. Could you just be basic for me and indulge me for a second? Like what would your definition of being insightful be? Like if I say, so what does it mean to be insightful? Could you give us like a simple definition? Because I got a lot of sales leaders that probably would benefit if they got more insightful, whether it was a sales-led CEO or a financial-led CEO or an ops-led CEO, I would imagine more insight will resonate with any kind of CEO. Would Or would you disagree with that? No, that's totally right. When when you think about insights, think of stuff that's not in the traditional playbook, right? Like I'll, I'll give you an example, or if it is in the traditional playbook, like why it's different in what we're seeing. Like I had someone come to me the other day who was like, hey, why don't we think about splitting up the AE team into hunters and farmers, which is like a, a, a toss up between companies, like a hunter and farmer team. Yeah. And with that insight, I was like, well, why do you think we should do that? I was like, and there was no data kind of presented to it with it. It's like, oh, it's on a hunch. Like, hey, I think we'd optimize how much we upsell or how much we cross sell. 
And so that's an example of something where it's like no insight was given. It's like, you know what, maybe we should try this. Oh, we're trying to upsell more. Seems like we could specialize. And so there was almost no insight given there on the, but the idea was good. Like we've all kind of heard it. I was like, it's where the business is driving. Now the difference there would be if that leader or that, um, uh, that sales leader came to me and said, hey, I think if we split this up, I can generate 20% more upsells with the same amount of uh, costs on our sales team. That is insightful. Let me show you the data of why I think I could do 20% more because look at this rep. This rep here is, is basically one of the ones I would say it could be a farmer. Look at how much better her performance is when she's farming full-time compared to this, this AE who's only really doing new business, right? And so it gives you an example of like, hey, that's an argument with like some real data on a few slides. You're like, okay, that's more interesting. I would actually seriously consider it now. I like that. And so I think sometimes we're so worried about our cadence and, and maybe they see, I think that many times, again, I'm sorry that we're sitting in this, but I think that you've got a really important thing here uh, that I really like, Ted. I think a lot of times sales leaders do what they have to do. Like, oh, I got to get a report into you or, oh, I've got to get this projection to you or, oh, I've got to whatever. So they have their, whatever their cadence is, whatever their I got to do's are. And so they do it because they have to. But what you're talking about is how can I be a little more proactive and can I be on the hunt for the things that will help me? And, and then I bring an insight and I love your definition of an insight. I'm going to, again, I'm going to put a label on it. Tell me if I got it wrong. And it's okay if I got it wrong. Um, it's a hunch plus some, some proof, a hunch plus some proof. Yeah. And, um, and, and then we use that to say, is there a reason to explore? And, and, and then maybe we can start exploring it, but but if you could be known for someone that's bringing hunches that are based in experience, that's the first thing you said, get them in the game. So we have a hunch and then take that hunch and back that with some proof, i.e. some data from a source that I can believe in. Then maybe we have something to talk about. And all of a sudden, I'm not just giving me what giving Ted what he needs for his board meeting, but he's actually helping me grow the business. Holy, and it doesn't have to be like a three month research project, right? It could be mm. I was in the field this week. Here's five gong calls. Check this out, right? And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, I don't need to see a crazy amount of data, but if there's just something unique in the insight, because the back to your original topic of uh, sales-led CEO, sales-led CEO, they've probably seen it all. Like I've, I haven't been in SaaS like a crazy amount of time. I've been in SaaS for about 12 years now. Um, so I've seen pretty much most of the playbooks. It's a long time, man. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh, a long but, time. But it's one of those things where like the ideas aren't that new, but it's like, hey, if there's something different or a tweak we want to make, let's back it up with, with why we want to make it, right? And we're we're constantly, we, we try to make changes almost every quarter. Um, and especially in this kind of earlier stage of your company life cycle, you almost need to do that. Okay, you just gave me something else I go to. I, I told you our show, would we had no idea where it was going to go. This is so <laughs> great, Ted. I'm loving this conversation. You're making me realize I got to get more CEOs on the show uh, because that's such an important relationship, sales leader to whoever they report to, ultimately CEO. Um, you said something. We try to change things up how frequently? Uh, we try to make changes almost every quarter. I mean, it doesn't have to be like, hey, we're resegmenting every quarter, but we like to essentially... Think about how can we optimize the business uh, uh, to the needs of the environment almost in real time, right? And so if we see a change, 
that we want to get rolling, I'm like, hey, let's go get that in process, get that ready for next quarter. So I like to do them at least on the quarterly marks. I don't like to do stuff mid-quarter that's major, but I will try to do major sets of changes almost every quarter, whether those are new programs we're running or new ways we're going to do things. What has that done for your business, this commitment to ongoing change? What, what has that done? As the, as the CEO, you're responsible for the complete environment, obviously. What has that done for your company to have a company that's like, we expect some changes every quarter? Yeah, I'll give you an example. And this might be fueled a little bit by the, the more frothier times of 2021. But in All 2020, right. we only grew at about... Um, uh, let's call about 80% year over year. So it was like, okay, year is the pandemic year. And a lot of people then, be really happy to have that. Man. <laughs> a lot of people be really happy to have that. And then the next year we're like, you know what? I think we needed a little, and we had no segmentation at that time. We're still small, smallish company. I think we're 30 ish people. And, um, and then we said, you know what? It feels like our sales playbook needs to be cut in two. We need a commercial playbook, enterprise playbook. Let's just divide the team in half build two separate playbooks and start building programs out for each. It was a simple change, um, but we, we just felt like the market was telling us that. And I think that was the foundational element that next year where we almost tripled in that next year in terms of our new revenue. And so it was a huge change in the business um, that we had uh, in just with one minor move but it was a big move um, from a personnel standpoint, right? But one, sorry, one minor decision was a big move from a personnel standpoint, but it's only because we were willing to make those changes pretty quickly too. I, I think that's genius. I, I meet with a lot of people. You like, honestly, you're the first one that's ever told me we make changes every quarter. Yeah. Um, I, I got a lot of people that are still trying to figure out going into 2023, how do we make our playbooks from 2019 work? I'm like, you don't. You throw those away, man. And, yeah. uh, and, and so I love like every quarter you're making some changes. And so what, what that has to have done is created a really cool culture of creativity. I would imagine. Yes, or, totally. I'll give you one, even in more yeah. real time, this is within quarter is we released a new product called uh, Workram content and uh, our whole marketing team, including myself, we thought the the big benefit of this was advertising that, hey, you have 85,000 courses at your fingertips. I was on two customer calls one day and both of them were like, oh, 85,000 seems overwhelming. And literally that night I called the marketing team. I was like, we got this messaging all wrong. We need to roll this back out to the sales team. And within uh, 48 hours, we had new messaging rolled out to the sales team to say, hey, drop this high quantity, start pitching this way. But that shows you, how fast you can roll things out when you're listening to real-time customer feedback and using tools like Slack and investing in technology like that, you can push those changes really quickly into the field to see immediate sales impact. I love it. So now I'm diving, I'm coming back. Now you got me backtracking back out to sales at CEO. I know we've been all over the place, but I actually feel like there's been some method to the madness of our conversation. I, I think that we've piggybacked on places. It's clear to me as I listen to you, one of the best benefits of having a sales-led CEO is you can like bring that person to calls and use them uh, to help. And they're going to not just be someone who's on a call and just watches, that someone who could actually contribute to it. That makes sense. If you're not working with a, with a sales-led CEO, um, does that make it even more important for the sales leader to leverage that 
instead of a CEO, does that mean that a sales leader, if you don't have a CEO who can be that, do you need to, as a sales leader, say, I got to make sure that I'm leveraging my position as the head of sales or whatever to be helping with that? Is, does that give them more of a responsibility for that? Yes, definitely. Definitely. I would say if you... If you don't have a sales-led CEO, you should bring them on to calls, uh, one, for internal purposes like we talked about, but two, just having the figurehead there on the call, and even if they say uh, under two minutes of content there, that shows how invested you are in the partnership. Like They're taking time out of their day. They're meeting with the customer, even if they can't perform on the calls. And I've seen people, CEOs are super squirmish on calls they don't do well. Uh, just having them on the call is a win, but that just means like, Hey, you need to shift as a leader yourself to have, uh, essentially that quota for yourself. So like, for example, our VP of sales, her quota, I believe is about seven to 10 meetings a week with customers because it's a big part of our culture. Right. And so she wants to drive seven to 10 meetings with customers a week. So she has a really good pulse. She's driving this, these big deals too. And so uh, I would say it's almost uh, uh, as uh, important, if not more important, to then take the onus on yourself as a sales leader, make sure you're inserting these deals. And we've all been the sales organizations, like the VP of sales or the CROs. They're like, you know what? I'm too big for customer calls. You might see one or two on their schedule a week. But if someone like a Mark Benioff is on, on whatever, he's probably on five to seven calls a week with customers or meetings, like you can do it as a sales leader. I love that. So we only have 15 minutes left. I can't believe how fast this has gone. So anything else you would like to like share to these sales leaders all around the world about thoughts about working with CEOs, especially if it's a sales led CEO and managing up anything to wrap that up on those topics before we shut it down and go into where we're going to go next? Yeah, probably the one thing I would say is if you have a sales led CEO, they with the tools out there today, they probably know more about your forecast and your deals than you do. And ah. so make sure you're on top of it even more than they are. And you have, again, those unique insights that they can't see within like a gong or in their Salesforce notes. And so there's been so many times where I would, when I would be on a forecast call, but I would just dig into gong a little bit and actually know more than the sales leaders on those deals those are the times I kind of trip them up. I'm like, wait, I actually know more about you than you know about your deal. But the really good sales leaders are the ones who assume I know everything that's being written, but can offer unique insight like, hey, I actually have been texting the customer and they said said X, right? That's something I would never glean from uh, uh, any of the tools we have today. But those are the unique insights that the that the sales CEOs don't have back to those unique insights that we talked about earlier. So what I'm going to put a label on this one then is giving them a reason to believe. I love that you went to the forecast because forecast accuracy year after year after year continues to be one of the top three things that sales leaders struggle with. Um, it, it, for whatever reason, it's just not getting better. And I like what you're saying. Give them a reason to believe. It's not just this is what we have and this is what the process says or whatever. Do you have any questions? Let me see. No, I like the idea of provide a reason to believe, at least for key parts of the pro of the forecast. Yeah, and that's right. And anecdotal evidence that they would never have. Right? These sales leaders have all the data at their fingertips now. But what is the anecdotal evidence? Like, hey, I was on a call and I and I heard her grimace when we asked about. 
um, uh, the budget, right? That's something interesting that the sales leader can then be like, oh crap, that might, that deal might be at risk, right? Uh, like those are, those are, those are key insights you can give on top of your forecast. That's a really good one. We could spend our next 12 minutes and run out of showtime just on that. I'm tempted to do it, to be honest with you, because that's such a big challenge. Forecasting is such a big challenge. And I, again, I'm going to say, if you are a director level or frontline manager, team lead level reporting up to other sales leaders, same thing. Give insights to a sales leader, even if it's just the sales leader, not a sales-led CEO. That's such good insight for reporting up, no matter who you are. Be more insightful. That makes you more strategic. Uh, that's the theme that keeps coming back to your conversation with me today is how to be a more strategic leader. Like how, how do you move past the tactics of just doing the job and working hard and grinding to doing something that's strategic? Is, is that a fair way to, to like look at this conversation so far? That's totally right. And, and sales, sales led CEOs and CXOs notice that, right? Because you're, if you ever watch um, uh, ESPN, part of the interruption, they have this saying, uh, that's what the money's for. Um, and if you think about being a sales leader, that's what the money's for. You're doing the basics, but the ones that stand out are the ones that are providing the unique insights that actually move the needle, right? Like everyone should forecast accurately. Everyone should run deals. Like those, that's what the money's for. But the ones who go above and beyond, like can say, hey, you know what? This audience, not really working out, right? I think we need to go more into this audience. That's what the sales led CXOs are looking for, right? In your sales leadership. All right. So I just made a decision. We're not going to go to the place that we thought we were going to go. We'll do that next year. We'll have you come back for round two. And um, I want to sit in this. I think that this topic of strategic sales leadership, being strategic, okay? Yeah. That's worth the next 15 minutes of our time. Actually, we don't have 15 minutes. We got like 10, 11 minutes left. Um, here's why. I Again, I work with sales leaders. Like, like I coach them. They're part of Sales Leadership United. I got 700 of them in there. I got 45,000 of them that reach out to me from time to time that listen to our show. One of the common things I get a lot of people ask for me to help them get promoted. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've done like free sessions or people that have paid me to help them get ready for a, an interview to become a sales leader at the next level. I had someone recently not get the job. And the reason that they were told they didn't get the job was they were seen as too tactical and not strategic enough. Now, you know why I'm pushing pause. Okay. Because this concept of being seen as a strategic leader for a CEO, the idea of being seen as a strategic leader for a CRO, the idea of becoming a CRO because you're strategic, I don't think it's enough to say I just have a long history of hitting my number. Um, because I have people that are being told, well, that's great. I'm sure your mother's proud and you're a tactical leader for sure. But we need someone, and then I'm doing my quotes for people that are in Sales Leadership United, you'll see it. Uh, I need someone, quote unquote, more strategic. Any advice? I think I can't think of a better thing for us to do with this. You started about strategic. How can sales leaders be seen as more strategic, either in the places that they work or when they're presenting themselves to someone like WorkRamp if they wanted to be a strategic member of your team? Is that okay for this, us to go yeah, there? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And this one, this one might be unique to our culture, but I'll start with it. Let's go. Um, my number one thing. So we have this value, uh, we have four key values, but the biggest one is a one team value. We call it the one team value. Okay. We've passed over potential leaders because who are in that exact scenario 
because we they they were doing really great in their day jobs, but they never did anything outside of that, and they never really helped outside of that. And the people who we like to promote within the company are the ones that are helping everybody out while still doing their day jobs as well. Because in a, in a startup environment, we're about 150 people, like you need people who can kind of carry that water up the hill and get everyone dragged along with them and see, hey, watch out for that pothole. Don't fall off the ledge over there. Like give them tips while motivating them, right? So they're carrying the bucket of water while helping everyone else out. That's probably the number one thing for me when you said that statement is like, hey, if someone is just hitting their numbers, that's not good enough in my mind. They need to hit their numbers and be a huge value add to the broader part of the business. And that could come in many different shapes or forms. That could be like, hey, they help out in a special project, right? We had a great sales leader internally at WorkRamp where just on the side, he said, hey, let me go help you sell this new product. Has nothing to do really with his day job. He was like, I want to be your point person in sales to help you sell this new product, right? So he was meeting with the product managers, the product marketing managers, all out of the goodness of his heart. Yes, his team could sell the product a little bit more, but it showed how he wants to get involved in other parts of the business to drive the whole ship forward in a startup environment. And so I would say that's the number one thing is get involved in more parts and organizations while doing your day job too. A lot of people will say, well, I can't do both. Like I need to only do one. I was like, no, you actually can do both. I've seen it from so many leaders at so many companies. Those are usually the ones that are getting promoted. Well, I want to, I want to sit in that because what you just said, I want to say it back. And I, I always try to put labels on things. Don't just do your day job. I like how you call it, create impact of whatever your place that you are. So if you're an AE, don't just hit your personal number. If you're a team leader, don't just have impact with your team. The more you can show that you can create more organizational impact, right? And I, I want to regurgitate some of like, sometimes that might be with ideas on how you might improve something. Sometimes that might be like insights on how you might partner differently. Sometimes it might be it's something that's systems oriented. Um, am, am I getting this right on what you're suggesting? For sure. And, and I'll clarify one thing. This is all in the context of promotions and moving up the ladder. If you don't care about that, like, for example, we have reps who are like, literally, I just want to make as much money as I can as an AE. You, I, don't, I don't need to see them go above and beyond. Like that is what they want to do. That's what the money's for. And we're paying them well for it. This yep. is mostly in the context of, of moving up in an organization. And you're right. It's getting very strategic and, and it could be anything. There's no, I think, prescriptive formula there, but showing that you're willing to help out, making it known as well. That was my second big thing is making it known. This is where you want to head and collaboratively working with your leadership team to get those skills under your belt. I think too many people don't make it known, don't ask for it. And if they don't get it automatically, they just kind of quit or go to the next job. I, I've seen so many people who don't make it known. That's the second big thing I would say is like, do these things, but also make it known, hey, I'm doing these because I want to move into leadership. I want you to know that that's why I'm doing these things because I want to cause maximum impact for the org and move my career forward. Um. You don't know how timely what you just said is. I have a lot of people that have ambition that I work with and they're, I'm like, 
when you talk to your leader, when you talk to whatever the leader is, what do they say about your ambition of getting promoted? Like, oh, well, I haven't had that conversation yet. I don't know how to do Like, why is it so important to make it known? I think that you are dead on. And I want these leaders that are listening to you to hear why that's such an important thing to do. And I guess do it right. There's probably a right way and a wrong way to do it, right? Totally. Actually, and I've learned this from personal experience. Um, actually, twice uh, when I was an individual contributor, I remember the last time um, I was getting super frustrated, almost to the point where I was going to quit. I was like, why am I not getting promoted? And these people next to me are getting promoted. And I was talking to a mentor and he's like, well, Ted, you just got to ask. I was like, he's like, have you asked? I'm like, no, I was like, I was raised in a culture where I didn't have to ask, like you put your head down, you do the right thing and you get rewarded. And when I realized my VP at the time was like, he's so busy. He, like I was one of 15 direct reports at the time. For sure, he's not thinking about Ted Blosser's next mini promotion <laughs> of yeah. all the things he's thinking about. He probably didn't even know how long I was at the company, right? And one of the biggest things is you have to advocate for yourself. I wrote a LinkedIn post on this. It's like managing up and advocating for yourself has been a 180 in my philosophy is like you need to, everyone needs to do that for themselves. And then I'll follow up that that up with a second point. I've also seen people do the ad, advocating for themselves in the right way and the wrong way. The wrong way, and I've seen this a bunch of times, is hey, if you aren't promoting me within six to 12 months, I'm most likely going to go look for another job. That that I've seen too many times and it sounds like a threat and it's yeah. not of team spirit. That is just the wrong way to frame it. Even if, if that's true in your head, that's not the way to frame it. I've seen so many people deliver that. I've had it delivered to me personally, really turns me off versus, me <laughs> versus, hey, I would love to get promoted in the next six to 12 months. What are the things that I can do? I have a few ideas here. I'm going to run them by you to make sure I'm on track for that. That is the right way to do it. People will collaboratively work with you. And then just by putting it out there, let's say you're not on track for that, or they don't think as highly of you as you think of yourself, they should tell you there like, hey, look, it may not work. I just want to give you that heads up. At least you're, you know where you stand with the organization by just bringing the topic up. I love this, man. We are about out of time. I want to make sure we have a time for us to make sure people can connect with you. I just took what you said and I put it into the the Ted Blosser framework. So I want to I want to shoot it back to you and see if you approve. And if you approve, then we'll have some fun with this as we share your episode. So if you want to be a strategic leader, right? Number one, you got to be known for your insight. You got to be a provider of insight. That's the first thing you shared with us in here. Number two, if you want to be a strategic leader, you got to be known for your impact, not just what you did with your team and your responsibility, but how you helped the entire organization and all those fortunate enough to rub shoulders with you. And then number three, if you want to be a strategic leader, you got to be known for your interest. So they're the three eyes, insight, impact, and interest. And uh, you got to be known that you're interested in that and that you want to be groomed and considered as someone to do that uh, inside the company for sure, but also outside that you should be networking and looking at those companies that you're interested in joining organizations like theirs. Does that, does that blueprint sound like you? I love it. We can make a poster out of this. The Let's three go. eyes, the three eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this was awesome, man. How, how do people get more of you? How do they learn, you know, follow you, get more of you, learn about WorkRamp? I mean, we didn't even get into the enablement side of things, which I really hope that you'll come back and we can try again and get to that. But I feel like we did this one right. I think this conversation about being strategic is a really, really timely for people. How do they get more of what you have to offer? For sure. LinkedIn is the number one way you could connect with me on there. Always happy to 
uh, me slash mentor slash give advice to. So just ping me on there. And then, yeah, if there's um, uh, any desire to learn more about the product, just our website, workramp.com, uh, if you need help with training your sales teams. So uh, those are the two big ways to uh, get in touch. And we'll put put the links to the site and to your LinkedIn and the show notes. And and then again, for all of our listeners that are part of Sales Leadership United, we'll have four, five, six video segments of what we're talking about as well uh, for people. Um, this has been amazing. I, I, I knew I was going to enjoy the conversation. I thought we were going to get to a place we didn't get to. I love where we finished. This was a conversation that is going to help a lot of sales leaders. So to this large group of 45,000 plus sales leaders listening to you right now, Ted, any final thoughts that you'd like to send them off with before we wrap this thing up? Well, I have to give a plug for learning in general. We didn't cover this topic, but in this market, continue doing your enablement and learning for your teams. And that is, I think, what's going to be key for us heading into 2023. So just continue to think about those investments for your uh, organization. Actually goes back to a lot of the topics we talked about today is help your employees and your sales reps develop in their careers. And a lot of this is through learning, enablement, and training. And so keep that up heading into next uh, fiscal. I'll echo that, uh, Ted, to all of our listeners. If you want enablement to become more strategic, which that's one of the things that it sometimes doesn't do, it stays tactical, it doesn't stay strategic. If you want your teams to feel like they're part of an organization that's setting them up for success rather than giving them goals and saying, good luck, don't miss, what you just said is crucial. It's strategic again, this ongoing theme of when we talk, that that doubling down and helping them learn we don't want to go into 2023 with a 2021 mindset. We got to go into a 2023 with a mindset and skill set that will prepare us for what's coming in 2023. And I believe you've given a blueprint, like forget about your words about what your product will do. It's your actions of we change things up every quarter. If you're not changing things up with some scheduled cadence, you're probably getting passed up. Is, is that a fair way to finish this up? That's totally right. This, this next year, everybody who's doing the same thing, that they aren't doing, uh, they're they're selling the same thing, not releasing new products, keeping the sales same sales processes. You're going to get laughed by the competition next year. So we all got to keep up our pace next year. All right, Ted Blosser, CEO, founder of WorkRamp, doing amazing things, helping companies double down on learning, double down on education, companies and customers, to make sure that they go at whatever it is they're going after with a strategic and a confident mindset rather than just a tactical and crossing their fingers, hoping everything will work mindset. He's doing crazy great things with companies all around the world. This has been an even better conversation, uh, Ted, than I thought it would be. I'm so grateful that you would give us an hour of your time. Um, thanks so much, man. And, and I wish you only the greatest success as you continue to chase things down uh, as you lead the charge at WorkRamp. So thank you. Rob, thanks for having me. Hey everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, part of the Jepson Performance Group. Listen, our jobs as sales leaders are hard, and I mean really hard, and there's not a lot of resources for sales leaders to turn to. The fact is, most companies that spend millions on sales training, sales tools, sales process, and salespeople spend virtually nothing for sales leadership process, sales leadership training. And the only sales leadership tools that are out there are rolled up dashboards. And while it's true that companies should do more to develop the sales leaders on their team, the fact is they don't most of the time. And how do I know? 
because so many of you continue to reach out every single week from all around the world. People are tired of having to figure it out for themselves, and they know there's got to be a better way. And that's why I started Sales Leadership United. It's the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets and resources. Now, whether you're a new sales leader or one that's been leading teams for years, you're going to find all kinds of tools to help you create more impact with those you lead faster. You can find it on Patreon. It's like a Home Depot for sales leaders. You're going to find video excerpts of this and all of our podcasts in three to five minute segments, all tagged and organized by topic to help you in your sales leadership journey. You're going to find my very best leadership content. Over 100 hours of sales leadership training materials, sales meeting materials that are ready to go, leadership systems, one-on-one coaching systems, and much, much more. Listen, building sales leadership assets doesn't have to be hard. I add new material every single week, and you'll find everything you need to not just become an elite sales leader, but you're going to find all the material you need to stay current and relevant in Sales Leadership United. So don't go reinventing sales leadership. Invest in yourself. You're worth it. Tap into the proven training and techniques used by some of the most successful sales leaders in the world and head over to Sales Leadership United today. Now, we don't get a lot of company founders in on our show, but I'm really glad I decided to buck that trend and have Ted on. I'm pumped that Ted and I had this killer conversation about managing up the work we can do as sales leaders that will make us be perceived as being strategic rather than tactical, and maybe more important, why those things matter so much. Listen, I have a lot of people who work with me that want promotions. They want to move from being a frontline leader and become a more strategic, senior, higher level leader with broader areas of responsibility. In fact, I very recently had a sales leader, one of my favorite ones. He paid his dues for a long time. Um, He waited his turn. He turned down other companies. He did everything he thought he needed to do in hopes that when this new job came open, he did it. He was in the territory. He had all these things going for him. Well, his time came, and his numbers were great. He had record highs. He knew the team. He was killing it in every single measurable. Um, When he got his turn to interview for the job, though, he made his pitch mostly about his successes in the tactical part of the job. He thought that the numbers would be enough to justify him being the person. And again, this is one of the most high-profile areas in a really important company that you'd probably be very familiar with. And when he got done with that, uh, and he he had that interview, he told me the reason he was going to focus on the numbers was that was his advantage. And his emphasis when he was in that job had only been be number one in the whole company in all of these metrics, and they'd done it. He was number one in every metric. He beat everyone. He, He should have had this unfair advantage. But when they made decisions on who they got the job, the person that I'm referring to wasn't even a finalist. He didn't even get to be an interview uh, of the final two. And when I asked the senior vice president of sales what went into the decision, he told me that this person I'm referring to was just seen as too tactical. And the person that received the job, she had demonstrated that she was much more strategic. And they felt like they had the people who could keep the tactics in place. They brought a strategic person in because this, this area was too important. That was a tough pill to swallow. It was hard for this person. It was hard. I I felt bad for him. And so that's why this concept of being a strategic leader is so important. And the things that we can do to be seen as strategic rather than just being tactical, these are big. These are things you should be thinking about. These are things you should be working on. Because you're 
you're going to have impact in how strategic you're seen in several different ways. And that's why learning to manage up is so important. Listen, if you're only seen as tactical, you're going to struggle to manage up. The reason for this is you won't be seen as someone who provides insights that matter. Tactical leaders are awesome at receiving orders and then executing. They hit goal. They keep their teams engaged. They're seen as these good soldiers or the great company people. Strategic leaders, however, they learn to take all of that effort and work and turn that into strategic insights along the way. Perspective that matters more than just the numbers. So I'm thinking of another SVP of sales that I work with. He he leads sales at a software company that has this incredible history. And going into this year, he didn't manage up well enough. He was asked to carry a quota for 2022 that was significantly higher than he had reasonable resources to achieve. So he went in and did the math of sales. He showed the leaders what they could plan on given the resources they had. It was, it was perfect. It was, it was awesome. Okay. He shared insights. He appealed to them to adjust the quota or go get him more resources so he could do something that would be reasonable. But he was refused. And so he and I, we worked hard all year. He actually beat the number he told the CEO. When he talked to his CEO, he, he told her, this is what's capable. And And she said, find a way to do what we need you to do with the resources that we'll give you. Well, he beat the number he told him was possible, but he didn't get even close to what he was asked to do. But the problem is there was massive collateral damage along the way as well. So he was under pressure. That pressure trickled down. Um, I, I won't spend time on all the things that were bad as a result of this, but the team had serious burnout because they were ridden so hard. Most of the team didn't make the comp that they were used to making or wanted to make because of this unrealistically high quota. The frontline leaders lost their ability to really connect with the members of the team and and have them believe that they could do it. Turnover started to hit them in ways that they'd never had to deal with before. And so this SVP and I, we had some interesting conversations. You know, what's an SVP to do in that situation? So we made a plan. He went back to the CEO and very recently, just, just like three weeks ago, said, we got to adjust quota for the year. We need to make an adjustment. And the CEO wanted no part of that, didn't want to go to the board with it, all kinds of problems associated with it. And he used insights. He didn't just use data. He used insights, though he did start with the fact that only 6% of the reps, yeah, that's right, 6%, single digit, were hitting goal. And the impact on the mojo and the momentum going into 2023 and, and how impossible it was to hire people as a result and, and the importance of what doing something drastic would be in order to get the attention of the team. So this, this leader got to have his told you so moment with what the numbers showed and like we did all kinds of things that we certainly didn't fall asleep with the switch. But he made it about insights. He, he said, as we've done X, we've observed Y. As we've done this, we've observed this. And he made it all about insights on what the year had done to the team, what this would do to the team for next year, uh, and, and then brought a plan on how the company could reignite a team between now and the end of December, and then more importantly, how they could get the team to use this to prepare for a stronger year next year. And to his credit, and to her credit, speaking of the CEO, this time the CEO listened. They made some big changes, and the reason they made the big changes was this leader was seen as strategic, and they listened to the insights. It wasn't just griping. It wasn't just complaining. It was filled with insights. It was a masterpiece. And, um, and if he had not led with insights, I can tell you this would not have happened. 
But this leader looked past the numbers and got the CEO to, in turn, look past the numbers. So I'm confident this concept of managing up and and being seen as strategic is something that not enough people are intentional about. So I hope you'll go back and listen to Ted more than once. Take his advice on how you can be the strategic leader and move past the numbers. How you can be seen as a strategic leader that's filled with insight. I'm going to say it again. A strategic leader, not just a tactical one. Listen, I want to make it clear. I'm not saying that tactical leaders aren't important because that's not true. They are extremely important. But If you want to raise your game, you must find ways to look at becoming strategic and not just tactical. So be insightful, show good judgment, build frameworks, act like a scientist, build hypotheses and always be testing them. But build a relationship with those you report to, no matter what level you're in, where those you report to see you as someone filled and brimming with insights and committed to building for a brighter future, not just responding to the pressure of the now. And if you do that, your career will change. So Ted, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations on your amazing success at WorkRamp. Thank you for sharing how sales leaders can work with their leaders to create more impact and be seen as more strategic. And thank you for sharing how sales leaders can manage up and can be more strategic and what that does for companies and careers when they do. So my advice to each of you, connect with Ted. Check out what he's doing. Reach out to him. I know Ted's going to be excited to engage with you. And don't forget to check out Sales Leadership United. We'll have video segments of this killer conversation with Ted there for you to check out, just like we do with every single episode. Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. If you liked this episode, please do us a solid and go give us a five-star review on iTunes. It goes a long way in helping me get the best guests in the world on our show. Many of you have asked how you can help support the show, and you can do it two ways. The first is to check out Sales Leadership United. For the cost of lunch, you can make an investment in yourself that will be a game changer. But the easiest way you can support us is to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. Share this show with someone who needs to hear it. And then be elite, live strong, chase your passions. And don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, Want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.